Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. We're in the midst of a very busy Tuesday. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Alec. Alec had a question in regards to the setup of a uh, low oblique sit. And so we literally went step by step through this um, so that you do get a little representation there. Um, and I, I threw up a, a a photo so you can actually see the setup of the low oblique sit very clearly. The advantage here is that we can put people into an uh, extra rotation space that they do have available. So as people get anteriorly, posteriorly compressed, what happens to the external rotation is it's gonna move away from midline. So if we put somebody in an oblique sit, we can actually line them up in their, their available space and then start to superimpose the internal rotation from distal to proximal and get the proximal change. So we start to get a shape change towards an iron representation of the pelvis. Um, you'll typically use this probably more often um, in your, your wide ISA individuals because if we take the this wide ISA individual that's compressed A to P, lay them on their back, we don't usually get the shape changes that we're, that we're looking for. The sideline activities tend to be a better place to start um, with a lot of your wide ISAs. So thank you, Alec. It's gonna be very, very helpful for a lot of people. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday and we will see you tomorrow. Maybe we could um, expand a bit more on uh, oblique sit and and what makes it a more ER uh, IR than uh, space because I'm, I'm conceptually I'm trying to think it's like it's like okay. sideline having a kid with seated but I yeah. guess this is a bit of a rough around the edges representation. How, how do you feel about getting on the floor, boss? Oh, anytime. Let's just do it because then it, it's easy to see. All right, get up light, and here we are. Okay, cool. All right, I'm on the ground. All right, so just lay flat on your side um, with your hips and knees bent 90 degrees. All right, awesome. Right okay, so this is a position where there's very little rotation available. You understand that? Yeah. Okay, because we're, we're, we're biasing everything into more more ir represented therefore there's less turn okay yeah. now um i want you to sit up okay and and face the camera just sit up okay um face the camera if you would please and scoot back just a little bit if you got space <clears throat> so we can see your legs a little bit there you go now bend your knees and hips to 90 degrees awesome so that's the same position that you were just laying in on your side Right? Yeah. Okay. What I want you to do is just slowly drop your left knee out to the side for me. No, no, just the left knee. Awesome. Is that more ER? Yeah. Okay. Don't change the relationship at all between your hips and your and your your pelvis and just tip over on the left side to your elbow. Stop right there. Put your left leg on the ground. No, no, no. Keep it bent. Just drop it down to the ground. So that's the same ER you just had, right? Yeah. But I just put the leg down on the ground. So I'm going to start to superimpose internal rotation on that ER position. Can you see that? 
Well, conceptually, I have a hard time to see more. You said more ER or more IR? The same position you were just in sitting. You dropped into ER and I just rolled you onto it. So I didn't change the hip position at all. Uh, it's still more okay, ER. Okay. okay. Now, so, hang on. so, so, hang on, hang on, okay. hang on. Let me, let me, let me finish. Um, take your left wrist, pronate it towards the floor. So you start to feel the medial elbow. Yeah. And then what you should have felt by doing that is that you shifted weight towards your left hip at the same time. Did you feel that? I did. Okay, and then you put pressure on the underside, which is actually the posterior aspect of the greater trochanter, didn't you? Yeah, I think I did that. So that twist. So what that does is it starts to twist the femur into IR, which pushes IR into the pelvis. Yeah. So what I did is I put you in an ER space and I started to superimpose IR on top of it, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. Now I can so, play so with is, position is, all day long in this in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is this um, like as as I turn, I, I I just like I did feel kind of my my left leg want to go in a bit. Well, um, you might not have that motion. I'm just I'm just showing you. No, no. no. What I, I I did kind of feel that like I I, I like I get conceptually and visualize that like. I'm kind of being delayed or, or immobilized a bit here by my, my point of contact. And then at the axial skeleton, I'm turning towards it. So necessarily there's, there's, I'm biasing IR here, but, but well, like, you might be, you might be orienting to get it. Oh, okay. It's coming from the other side, so to speak, right. Where you're, you're actually turning your spine to get your leg down. Cause you don't have that space yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, so, um, okay. Can I just ask when you put him, like uh, when he uh, put his left knee out and you said to drop the knee down, so that's like the part where you want to cue, so you roll them a little bit? Because sometimes I just observe that when they cannot put the knee towards the floor, so they just don't have that motion, so oblique sit is not for them. Correct. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you would want to have access to enough, like a, the requirement for that activity would be to have enough uh, ER to go on the ground and then start superimposing. So me with my my knee propped up here, this is where we we can probably guess that I'm 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 uh, I'm orienting somewhere else. Okay. 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 Yeah. And right. uh, in this position, when would you cue to shift the right knee a little bit forward, like Maybe. push to get the shift in the pelvis? Yeah, if you're trying, so if you can do it without an orientation, right? Okay. Yeah, because all you're doing is you're just creating the turn, right? Through the, you're, you're trying to create a turn, right? I've got you in a bigger ER space, so I might have some turning capability available to me under those circumstances. Right. But the idea is the idea of the orientation of the lower body is like, you just got to figure out, it's like, okay, what space do I have available to put you in to start? Right. And then how can I create the gradient from one side to the other? So I got to create the delay on one side so I can capture the IR on that side. So I might have to advance the other side forward, which is what you're asking, right, Taya? So you're mm -hmm. going to create a, a later representation on one side of the pelvis so I can create the delay on the other side. Now I actually have induced a turn. I'm still out here in the ER space 
but at least I'm starting to get the IR superimposed. So I start to capture more IR. Now I can start to turn them, right, into, a, into another position. Good morning, happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. Hello, Bill. <clears throat> I'm gonna uh, start a little bit of a, bear with me if you can, a bit of a discussion that's probably in line with what Zach was just talking about, except with the knee, funny enough. So uh, okay. uh, we'll, we'll run through this if we can. I. Um, have an old bloke who really should give up lifting who's not too smart, but he decides that he keeps doing it anyway. And uh, he's got a bung, he's got a bung right, uh, a little bit of a, a bung right knee. Well, both, truth be known, both of his knees, my knees, are, uh, are screwed up. So, but uh, when I do a split squat, so if I move down and put, say, right leg back split, split squat, then when I get to the bottom of the split squat, I get uh, anterior knee pain, which we uh -huh. talked about before. And I've been having a discussion with a couple of physios at the gym and uh, talking about, you know, like your explanation based on the model of, of, of what might be occurring there and, and going through some of the stuff and then trying to rationalise it in comparison to their, you know, the traditional knee tracking uh, model with, you know, one muscle pulling relative to another. Uh -huh. So you know, the, the thing that we've been speaking about in that respect. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Just to make sure I'm clear on my explanation of it to them, because I've said, uh, please bear with me and I'll explain it as best I can to them. But uh, I've said that essentially I'm trying to IR on an ER structure for want of a better explanation. So I'm, I'm really out on the outside edges of, of my feet, have a lot of difficulty getting... Uh, medial um, first med head down and medial foot contact. So, you know, the foot's in an ER representation, the uh, tibia's ER'd out of even got maybe a slight hint of bowing, not not a lot, but a little bit um, of, of that. And then when I go into uh, move down, I reach a point which is just below, sort of just below reach max uh, IR moment at the, at the bottom. And that's where the pain, pain kicks in. I did a little, self-test and uh and i anteriorly oriented my lumbar spine or my pelvis and took up some of the ir in the lumbar spine just to see whether that would have any effect on on the descent and it certainly did i i could get down a lot further without without the pain coming in so i thought mm -hmm. right i'm on track in respect to i need to um put myself into an the, uh, like an early representation and then superimpose some IR on that in order to try and clear that up. And I did that by way of ramped, a ramped fake med ball throw. So staggered uh -huh. stand, uh -huh. my right foot up on, I, I initially did just with a fake med ball throw a few sets yep. and got a little bit of relief. And then I added a ramp, which uh, to the, to the lead leg and uh, knocked out about four sets of five or so and, and retested and was fantastic. It was Clear right up. So good result there. Yeah. Now, in explanation to them, because they obviously, they were looking at playing around with my patella tracking and talking about, you know, muscular imbalances, as we were talking about. Uh -huh. um, and they manipulated my knee during the course of a couple of them to see whether that reduced the pain. It did, like my patella, sorry. It didn't change it at all. And then once right. I 
went through the sequence of events. So I managed to clear it up, and I was, I was, so they were asking me about it. Uh-huh. And I, I, I um, sort of had a, the thought came to mind that while I'm in a lead leg split squat, like I'm, I'm not super strong, but I'm, I'm strong enough to know that when I have my rear foot in a split squat, I should be able to push up without the muscles in the quads needing to work significantly hard enough to be contracted to any extent where a muscular imbalance would prove to be the the difference between my patella moving left or right. And it occurred to me that if the muscles are under very low load or even at rest, then how could a muscular imbalance even make sense as far (laughs) as patella's concerned? Do do, do you know what I mean by that? I know. Yes, I understand. It just that's a, like, that's a great that's a great thought that's a great thought it just like until the if you were at the tail end of a, a heavy set of work of some description and we're into high threshold motor units and we're getting one muscle fatiguing relative to another one then we might be able to go hey yeah we're seeing this occur but if you're at rest or you're at the midpoint or you're just holding a could be a scapula or a patella or whatever how much effort is required by those muscles and should they really even be contracted <laughs> any extent to see any difference and it occurred to me that that doesn't make sense well yeah <laughs> i mean you're actually thinking it through versus just accepting it as a as a an absolute right so you're looking at it from a positional representation a shape change representation and then the muscle orientation that follows mm. all of those right and so, yeah. and, and there's some give and take here, right? We have muscle activity that can that can change bony position. We have bony positions that influence muscle activity, et cetera. It's like, it goes both ways, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's your perspective versus blaming a, a some sort of isolated structural representation or some inherent um, quality within a muscle itself as if the muscle could do something independently of everything else, which it can't. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, so what you did is you created a reorganization of, of the shape in which you could assume, right? Which would, which was to produce intron rotation. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you retested it, you were able to demonstrate that representation, and therefore, it felt better. Yes. Yeah. Right. Versus trying to chase some, like I said, some inherent quality of a muscle. Like, like again, muscles don't do anything on their own. It's like there's a relationship that's taking place here. And so, so you recaptured a, a sequence of events, right? A transfer of energy from the ground up and then from the, from the top down, where you were able to accept the energy from the top. That helped you organize into an internally rotated representation. And then you were able to push back down into the ground and therefore it didn't hurt. So just to be clear on this, when I'm getting that distal to proximal from that early representation and then reinforcing, although it's a, it's a fake med ball, so I am going into internal rotation, but it's yeah. still a distal proximal force coming back on the fake throw, isn't it? It's, uh, so a little, it, it, yeah, but, it, but because, you're not do, because you're not doing the release, it, it's, it's not the same as if you were to release the, the medicine ball. So what you got yeah. was, so you extended the duration of the yield that takes yeah. place when you don't release, you, you increase the duration of the yield. And so the connective tissue behavior is more energy storing, right? So you're, so you're, you're on the, you're still on the, the front end of it, so to speak, where you're, you're influencing the early representation yes. of, of the connective tissue behavior. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and again, tremendously helpful under most circumstances, especially a, a human such as yourself that has lived in heavy things for a really long time, because yes. you, you've created adaptations in your connective tissues to make them stiff. Because there's yes. a benefit to lifting heavy things with stiffer connective tissues. They're harder to deform. They store more energy and release more energy per unit of deformation, right? So again, to lift heavy things, that's a good thing. After a while, it can become interference. You've, you've created a position, and like I said, a shape that allows you to demonstrate internal rotation. You created a, a more effective connective tissue behavior that you needed under that circumstance to store and release the energy versus something that's stiff that actually was interference, okay? And did not so allow with, you to efficiently store and release energy. So that that wave that 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 comes up from um, from the ground up, that distal to proximal wave, the, the resultant uh, position being, we're, we're we're presuming by that some more posterior expansion in that so that right hip, which allows them for more IR of that right. Correct. When we Correct. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Sir. Yes. Sir. It, it, Two little quick follow-ups in relation to it. And one of them is in regards to the um, sled drag that you put on this morning. Was it this morning, yesterday? It would have been yesterday. Uh, for yesterday you. for me. Yeah, yeah, okay, so it was this morning for me. So when I looked at the, uh, when I looked at the sled drags, I thought, you know, this, this might work in a similar fashion. So I I tried uh, later in the days, so I've just been playing with this same, <laughs> this same side problem for a uh -huh. couple of days. Consecutively, and uh, when I tried the sled drags with the foot, the 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 kind of uh, I think you call it the wedding march, like the the, the one where it's directly in front. Yeah, the backward step two. Yeah, the backward step two. I didn't get as as good a result with that, but when I went to the the lateral, the sideways one, I got a much better result. Now, would that be indicative that I don't have the room in front of me, but I do have the room Quite further? Quite possible. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, and so, and that, that was, that was the point of that was, was, you know, getting people to understand that, that just because you, you appear to be able to access a space, the way that you're getting there is not necessarily without a compensatory strategy. Right. Yeah. And, and so uh, what you may find, Matt, is that, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be that you couldn't do the, the, the backward step too. It just might be that you're actually still taking a step that's too big relative to where your uh, uh, external rotation space is. So when you yes. go sideways, so, so your, your space is compressed front to back, yes. right? So you have, you have more space out here to the side. And so that might be where you need to initiate your step. You start, to, you start there, okay? Um, one of the things that, that I didn't express because it wasn't really easy to see on that video, um, the, the last sideways drag that I was doing was actually on a diagonal. Okay. Okay. And so what you may find is, is that you can actually start to work on, on, a, on a, a diagonal step. So rather than just trying to step straight sideways, is that you start to work on a diagonal. And then as you can turn it to a steeper diagonal, that's where you can start to go backwards. I actually found myself naturally, like a, we got a double, say a double with sled track. And I started in the, you know one lane and I ended up sort of halfway across yeah. the yeah. diagonal. I was going yeah, yeah. there you go so yeah. you're, you're just naturally falling onto your helical angle good morning happy friday i have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect all right 
For those of you on the two-week sprint, this is your review and reflection weekend. Make sure you are on course for your intended outcomes. Check your processes and make sure you are on point for those issues. All right, digging into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Alex. Alex has uh, a question in regards to some representations that he saw with some extreme external rotation measures and a rather significant deficit in internal rotation. So relative to dead guy zero, he actually has a negative measure in internal rotation. And so we discussed how that representation arises, which is a lot of orientation. So um, when we're talking about the anterior comp posterior compression in the pelvis, what we're gonna actually see as we get this front to back compressive strategies, we're gonna get a reorientation of the, the sockets, if you will. So this occurs in both the shoulder and the hip. It's a little bit easier to see actually in, in the shoulder because it ends up looking like a shrugged orientation, which is the socket turning up and out to capture um, the externally rotated position. In the pelvis, it's, 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 still, it's still a shrugged representation, but this is actually what anti-orientation is. So anti-orientation is the IR representation so I can get that that uh, anominate to turn enough to point that socket up and out to create the excellent rotating representation. So that's how it occurs. And then we sort of break down um, a couple of activities that we could use under this circumstance to help start us in this externally rotated representation and move us towards internal rotation. So thank you, Alex. Your question will help a lot of people. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. The podcast should be up uh, sometime on Sunday. And then I will see you all next week. Good morning. Greetings. So I have a couple patients with um, like negative five, negative 10 degrees hip internal rotation. Yeah. Um, and I, I know you've been over this before and I know the acetabulum gets turned, but I was hoping you could provide me a clearer image in my head of how exactly that's happening and whether or not there's any other associated like significant bony twists that I'd have to worry about. Okay. <clears throat> Since we're going to talk about hips, let's talk about shoulders for a sec, okay? Because it's easy to see in a shoulder, harder to see in a pelvis, okay? All right. Um, so here you go. I'll tell you a quick story. I had a lady that came in. Um, she is uh, three or four months status post uh, uh, right rotator cuff repair, okay? She had her left repaired a while back, and then she had her right one done, and, and now she's got a frozen shoulder, Okay. So, but here, so she's, she's sitting in a chair like this. And she was like this before the surgery. Like, this is not a byproduct of the surgery. Like you can see that, that she's been living like this for a while. Okay. So can you see the orientation of the glenoid under this circumstance? Uh, yes. Okay. So it goes up and out, right? Yes. You follow? Okay. Yep. So campo angle gets squished. Shoulder girdle rides up the conical shape of the uh, rib cage. Everything gets compressed A to P. That has to turn the sockets outward more and more and more. They turn up and out to get ER, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Take that same scenario and, and move it down to the pelvis. Okay. So you have to get more and more ER orientation so they get compressed A to P in the pelvis and the sockets will have to turn up and out to find ER, okay? Because I have to have a space to, to move in um, until I run out of space, of course, which does happen, okay? 
And so, so that's what you end up looking at when you have these really severe representations of, of lots of ER, no IR, okay? Until they get so much compression that they start to lose all of that, that ER representation too, because they can't get a, their spine stops moving. You, this is somebody that still has a spine that's moving, right? That's allowing them to capture some of the ER representation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you, you probably still have some orientation to deal with, um, but generally speaking, you've got somebody that, that, that like literally, that, how do you get 80 degrees of ER? Well, you have a socket that points outwards and you have a spine that can turn in that direction. Yeah. Okay. So if you're going to lie somewhere on the side and, and roll them. Uh-huh. So the, the socket turns basically like up and away from knee. Yep. yep. So would you roll them in a direction like down and toward the knee to get the last having to go in the proper direction? Um, okay. Yes. But what, what you may actually have to do is, so think about where you have to put pressure through the, the ilium. Okay. So the, so if I, if I shrug in this manner in my shoulders and I am trying to reproduce the exact same representation in my pelvis, you might have to do some other things first. Right. So think about all the musculature that would be concentrically oriented under this circumstance and then reproduce it down in the pelvis. So you've got uh, QL, you've got the external oblique um, that wraps around the posterior aspect of the, of the rib cage above the pelvis that may be concentrically oriented. That's not going to let you access the load through the pelvis that you need. So you might need to reduce that. Um, you have musculature that goes from the uh, femur to the iliac crest that will be concentrically oriented that you might have to reduce as well before you can even roll them. Okay. Because if that, if that maintains its orientation, you're not going to get any of the pelvic shape change that you need to recapture the IR. Do you understand? Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, odds are when you've got a, when you've got a minus, when you've got a minus number relative to dead guy zero, um, in, in the hip like that, um, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of muscle activity that is, that is interfering that you're going to have to reduce. Like I said, sometimes you can just get them on their side and roll them and they'll be okay. But if you, if you do that and it doesn't change, you've got, you like, I, I always tell people bring an extra shirt to work because you're going to, you're going to sweat through this one, trying to get the muscle orientation to change on this person. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, in that situation, they might have some type of proximal femur ER twist as well. Is that what you're oh, yeah. saying? Yeah. 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 For sure. So this one person in particular I'm thinking of, um, if you lie him on his side, it's like, like is, is the distal knee like pops up off the- Pops up, the yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So- That's a lot of ER, my friend. I mean, that's, okay. that's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, does he just have like really big quads? No. Or, okay. Well, these quads are that big. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a big dude. Understood, but but it's like that ain't it. Okay, <laughs> muscles very mushy when it's relaxed. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you got that's a lot of ER. Um, so so think about this for a sec. Okay, so when when you do an oblique sit of any kind, okay, 
um, you're you're actually in an, an ER orientation. Okay. Like you're starting in an ER orientation because that's why you do this. It's like, oh, I can put you in a little bit of ER orientation and start to capture the IR on top of it. So he lays on his side and he's showing you, it's like, he's telling you, it's like, okay, Alex, it's like, you got me in the wrong position, but if you prop me up, I might be able to lay this leg on the ground and, and hold this one up. And then I can start to, to find some of that IR through the, uh, uh, the pressure that's associated with them in contact with the surface. Prop them up in what way? Like a, like a low, like a low oblique or a high oblique sit. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I thought you meant with towels or something. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, the other, and I was just talking about this uh, yesterday, I think. Um, one of the things you can do an oblique sit. Okay. Uh, you ever do like a heels elevated squat? Yes. Awesome. Do you know what that representation is in an oblique sit? Um, we'll wait. <laughs> but let me give you a hint. Let me give you a hint. Greater trochanter is the heel. The lateral knee in contact with the surface is the first met head. If I was going to do heels elevated, what would it look like in an oblique set? If anybody would like to continue your Putting them on a slightly higher step. Uh, when, when you say that, what do, what do you mean? Elevate the heel a little bit. Okay. And when you say heel, are you, are you following along with my little uh, analogy? Greater trochanter. Yeah. Like so, so, yeah. So you, you, you prop up their booty a little bit and then that drops the knee down to the, to the surface and they can start to apply some IR into the ground in that ER position. So, so even in, in people with this extreme ER representation, you can, you can manipulate the activity to actually capture some IR, okay? If it's available, if it's available. Does that make sense though? Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, the, the thing you don't want to do is actually force people into these positions. And so again, if he's laying on his side and his knees don't even approximate, then you're going to have to make a modification there for sure. So if, if his knee's not approximating, then there's, you can't get like a pressure shift associated with gaining anything. So, I mean, whatever so you accommodate, you so you, so you accommodate, you put him in a space that he has available. And again, you, you get to, you get to be the great therapist here and, and decide what that is. So maybe it's, maybe it's sidelining and you put a, a foam roller between his knees and that's enough. Right. And then you can start to roll him under those circumstances. Right. Okay. Maybe you better go to an oblique sit with a, with a much wider representation of ER first. Maybe you put him in a half prone situation, right? Where he can, he can really orient into ER, but still apply IR on top of it. Mm -hmm.